Hi, my name is Sokuren, and I'm one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan so freely offers his love to us and his wisdom through these talks, and never asks us for anything in return. If you value what he does and what he is, and want them to continue, please visit our donate page at sokukoji.org. Thank you. I'm going to talk a little bit about a sutra from the Prajna Paramita material a couple thousand years ago or more. And that is a Diamond Sutra. It was a, uh, Mr. Jacobson asked me to talk about that. So I will try to do that. Diamond Sutra, translated by Red Pine. There are several translations of this all over the place. I've not read them all. I'm not a scholar, as I constantly remind you. I'm a meditation teacher, and I've spent a lot of time doing this. Uh, this is really powerful, but it's very difficult to explain. I'm not going to be able to do that. Uh, I'm, I am going to have some comments on it uh, and a couple different directions. And, uh, oh, look, what I, my, my placekeeper here is a 1990 photograph of Kobanchino Roshi was in there. I'm not sure what he's doing. I think he's, I think he's, I don't know. I think he just got through cleaning dog poop off his shoes with my dog. He stepped in his, anyway, there he is. Coleman. So, Diamond Sutra. I highly recommend that you read this Diamond Sutra by Red Pine. He has a, gives a really wonderful introduction. And uh, I would say the, just uh, I've got a couple of notes here, which I can read rather than try to give you some interpretation. And this being said, I'm going to do it this way, but at some point I will uh, receive all kinds of questions, and I hope you have some. This is not easy material, though it is extremely simple. It is a diamond. It is called the diamond cutter, just like the Heart Sutra is called the Heart Attack Sutra. Because when you if you, if you know what that is saying, uh, you can... Have a heart attack. It's that powerful. So this whole sutra basically is a is a, the Buddha's response to Subhuti, one of his monks, and uh, he was asking, as the story goes, how can we become Buddhas? And uh, the Buddha said uh, the thirty-two verses of the Diamond Sutra. So I'm going to read uh, verse thirty-one. Um, and how so when the Tathagata speaks of a view of self, the Tathagata uh, speaks of it as no view. Thus it is called a view of self. This is a teaching on emptiness, a direct teaching using concepts to help you who are more than likely attached to concepts to use those concepts to break through the rigidity of the concepts through to the uh, fundamental perception of emptiness. That's what this is about, and it does it over and over and over again. And then uh, as I was working with this, and Unyo came along and pointed out that the, the, the Lankavatara Sutra is also doing uh, this in a similar way. And I, I will probably read all 108 verses of that. Will I? No, no I, I have them right here. Um, a perception of a dharma is said by the tathagata. The tathagata is tata, means thus, and uh, tathagata ga is uh, 
uh, means one, a person, Tathagata, the one who comes thusly, no past, no future, just present, just presence. The Tathagata, the Buddha, it's an epithet for the Buddha. Perception of a Dharma or a concept, an idea, any kind of Dharma is said by the Tathagata to be no perception. Thus it is called the perception of a Dharma. David, I can see why you want me to give a talk on this. So it's it's quite perplexing uh, in the intellect, and you don't have to get rid. Excuse me, you don't have to get rid of being perplexed. Understanding may may include per, uh, being perplexed. Um, this was a according to uh, I think it's Chi Yi, who was a the sixth century monk who I believe he was the founder of uh, Tendai Ten. Tian Tai in the Chinese uh, Buddhism, and also was, uh, uh, supposedly he uh, attained awakening uh, while he was uh, reading the Lotus Sutra, which we're going to be study at some point, studying here at some point in the near future. Um, he was saying uh, he apparently published some kind of a situation back in the sixth century. It was saying when each sutra in the past what year it was likely spoken of, or like when, when did the Buddha deliver uh, these uh, Prajnaparamita literatures? There's all kinds of speculation. It's this, the, the uh, 2,000 years ago uh, in uh, the year, what, the year of zero or something like that, from the, the, um, the conventional understanding of uh, time. But uh, Chi Yi said that it was, probably in around the year 400, which is when the Buddha was around the age of 65 years old, so that he began to speak these. Is that true? We don't know. We don't really, we hardly know what happened last week to any of us. But So it's kind of difficult to say for sure. But the important thing is, I think, is that we study it. We take a look at it, see what is said there. I highly recommend that you read this. Uh, we may even at some point uh, study this. Have we studied this in a book study before? I think we did a long time ago. I don't recall. We studied so many books. Did we? Yeah. So two monks here are shaking their head in the, head in the affirmative. They're both shaking their head, but only one head is moving. Very esoteric monks. Uh, so I wanted to read a little bit too, uh, and I'll come, I'll come back to this in a moment, but I wanted to read a little bit too about uh, what uh, the Lankavatara uh, said, uh, uh, section three, footnote 105, page 60. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to be able to remember like that, but that, that is not occurring. Uh, in the Diamond Sutra, chapters 8 and 17, the Buddha says, as for Dharma Subhuti, as only as non-dharmas can we speak of dharmas, the Buddha's answer answers Mahamati, Mahamati's questions with truth, truths that transcend words. The 108 questions, 108 questions are not answered on a basis, and this is in the, in the Lanka, on the basis of feeble-minded knowledge, but Buddha knowledge. Now I like this next uh, footnote here, where um, Red Pine uh, translates. You're starting to laugh already. <laughs> He's a wonderful translator, uh, Red Pine. I would like to know the, the Chinese character that he's translated here. Didn't we look that up once? 
Well, anyway, here it comes. Knowledge appears to the mind in forms that can become an obstruction to personal realization. Thus, knowledge of the first seven stages, we're not going to go into that here, is sometimes called feeble-minded or lame-ass knowledge <laughs> because it concerns one's own liberation, the attainment of nirvana, and not enlightenment. Nirvana is, uh, you have samsara, you have nirvana. So this is more about uh, self-liberation, what is uh, focused on by the Theravadins and probably by all 18 schools that rose up after the Buddha's demise. But I don't know, perhaps lame-ass knowledge. So I'll read a few of these. I'm not going to read all 108. You'll be happy to hear. Today I, will, today I will reveal truths that transcend words while I list them one by one. Listen well, you bodhisattvas, to these 108 statements as spoken by Buddhas of the past. A statement about birth is about no birth. A statement about permanence is about no permanence. A statement about characteristics is about no characteristics. A statement about duration and differentiation is about no duration or differentiation. A statement about moments is about no moments. A statement about modes of reality is about no modes of reality. And it goes on and on and on. So this is a, this is a teaching on emptiness uh, in the long term. So how do you, how do you teach, how do you teach emptiness? How do you teach something like that? Have to use language. If you realize it, you may continue, you may teach, you may not. But if you realize it, you've actually transcended the very words and teachings that perhaps got you to that precipice, that that cliff, that en that end of reference point where you kept going anyway. And it, it will not be an event. It will not be, even though it's sometimes talked about that way, when people realize something because, you know, they heard a sound or they, or they saw something or... Perhaps not. That might be extra. Did you have something you wanted to say about that material? Was there something I was going to ask you about that you would say? Only to read part of it. But uh, you already Do you want to read some more? No, I, I, I liked it because of Chisholm liked the one we started reading 108, and, and maybe I don't recall exactly what he said after we we read it, but he just liked to, it. I really liked that. Chisholm, what did you think about the 108 statements? Statements there. Did you did that? Did that tweak your interest? Sorry, <laughs> uh, I know there was something common. I know what Unio uh, is referring to. It did occur to me during that study, but it's not coming to me straight away. I'll look it up. I'll, it yep. says it's yep. a sign off or something. It's very consistently the same word is used throughout the 108. And that's what caught my eye. I will, I will look it up. Is, a, is it a statement about purity? Is about no purity. A statement about reasoning is about no reasoning. Sure. Yeah, it was something like that. Statement. Yeah, it was something like that. Even in the 108 in Lankavatara. Yeah, it really does go on and on and on. This is a Prajnaparamita liter literature. 
This is the diamond cutter. And so this is the one that if you, if you look at these simple, I'm going to get the one that, that I used. It's about, oh, here it is. When the Tathagata, the Buddha, speaks of a view of self, the Tathagata, the Buddha, speaks of it as no view. Thus it is called a view of self. So this is basically what all 32 verses are doing this in different ways and laying it out in different ways. I think the first verse just talks about the Buddha, how he, uh, uh, when he got through uh, out on his alms or begging for food, came and sat down on his uh, uh, his uh, seat, or washed his feet, sat down, and then uh, teach, uh, students, uh, specifically Sabuti, came and circumambulated him uh, clockwise uh, three times. And so this is traditional back 2,500 years ago, and maybe somewhat after that uh, time. And then he began to respond to questions. So again, one more perception of dharmas is said to by the Tathagata to be no perception. Thus, it is called the perception of dharmas. I'm happy to read more of these, but it's pretty much that. It's, it's a statement. When there's a statement, that is actually not, it's not pointing to what that is. Therefore, it's called that. If there are questions, especially from you, David, since you requested this, there's some specific thing apparently you have read. Yes, I've read it. I have his, his. Yes, good. Um, I, so I do have some questions. Um, it's very counterintuitive. I mean, what they say. Um, and I guess my question is, this is written I'm assuming, I think you said, by people who have transcended normal perception, whatever way you want to call that. This is their attempt to explain what that is. Am I correct? Is that what that means? Well, I don't know if it's an attempt to explain so much as it is an attempt to, uh, and actually is workable, to point using concepts to encourage the mind to the perception to go beyond conceptual understanding into direct perception of emptiness. So it's an encouragement to do that. That's my question to you. Yes. So my question is, um, this can only be understood, if it can be understood, by direct perception, not yes. by intellectualization. Yes, that, that I, would, I would agree with that. So then I have another question for you. Well, I hope so. Um, so um you've spoken in, intriguingly to me um and I, I can't remember who you said it was just the other day um one of the monks asked you i guess about awareness and you said you can have an uh, I'm, I'm this is what you said i have an awareness of you before me or i can have an awareness of the whole thing i mean something and um I wonder if you can explain that because I, what I'm I'm guessing is that you don't mean the way a normal person would just see the whole thing. You mean something different from the way you perceive. Am I correct? Sounds like it. Is that true? Sounds like it. That's my question. So my question is, 
you, when you, uh, because you've seen through, um, I guess, the grasping or whatever you want to call it, your actual perception is different. I mean, I'm talking about just actually literally your perception. Is that a question? That's what I'm asking. Is it different? No. Nope, it's not. Then I would ask, what is open when they say you perceive, you know, open? Open is a concept about open, but it's not actually open. It's a concept about it. Is that the same as dissolving the teacup? Uh, I'm have to say more about dissolving a teacup. Is that some kind of Zen story? That's Trumpa's thing, which is, um, in other words, the viewer dissolves. Okay. Yes, the identity of someone seeing, there's just seeing. There's no one seeing anything. There's no personhood there. And I, a further question, I assume when the, the seer dissolves, I mean, assuming we, we have to talk metaphorically or with words, I'm assuming that um, the body, the entire thing dissolves. Am I correct? I mean, the whole thing is dissolved. It's not like it's a separate thing. I'm not sure what you're, I'm not you're sure the body doesn't go anywhere. Bodies, there's still a body, mind complex here, but there's no separate being. But when you talk about, I, I here's what I mean. You often talk about a, there's no separation and you have to see that for yourself. I do. It sounds like, and then you say, I'm looking, and when I look, I see myself. I see, I mean, not me. I mean, you know, you see yourself, whatever, you know what I mean? I'm taking that to mean that that's the way you see. That's not just some intellectualization. Yeah, it's not, it's not particularly. It might get intellectual if I start to talk to uh, someone like you, then it might show up in that because that's the language you're using. So I'll use that language too. But if I meet somebody who sees this, we probably won't have much to say. But let's say 40 years ago, before you saw it, you would not have described whatever you want to call whatever it is as seeing yourself everywhere. You would have had a different description. Yes, 20, 30 years ago, yeah. My question to you is, what shifted? Is it an actual perceptual difference or is an intellectualization through meditation that's can't you're not going to be able to pin it down it's what what has occurred i'll put it as clearly as i can what has occurred is that aspect of consciousness that was scrunched up into a ball of paranoia uh, has uh, has come apart because it's loosened it, its grip what loosened its grip there's uh, no grasping okay i'll i'll go along with that yes yeah it's well yeah i know this is hard to talk about but i'm saying i guess what i'm saying is you know for people who don't understand um and sit and meditate and watch their thoughts and try and let them go and stuff um nobody lets their thoughts go if they're listening to me well you're watching them whatever my point is um <laughs> there is something if you'll dismiss there must be something that shifts perceptually. No. Well, no. there is something. No. 
okay, not something. But see, this is language. This is why it's getting confusing. Well, then how do you want to explain how you, I mean, I, something changed, right? I, don't, I can't explain it. It's impossible to explain. I, I point at it so that you can see it yourself. I don't give a shit if you understand what I'm saying. I want you to see it yourself. All these people sitting here and everyone on here, my, if you've talked to me personally face-to-face, -face, you'll find that I am trying to encourage you to see who and what you are for yourself. There's nothing there to believe. And that includes you. Oh, no, I, saying, I, I, see it yourself. See it yourself. I'm I'm sort of asking that you know I, the seeing can only happen with a dissolution of something. Yeah, uh, I, I I'd be a little tentative around dissolution of things because it was unreal in the first place, so it doesn't have well, to. Be. We could say then, could we say this? Could we say that the the grasping covers up? what really is okay and once no, the grasping is gone you're left with what really is that's not a state that's actually what really is no 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 you can't do this with your intellect david well but let me can i say something can i say something it may be helpful sure, sure. The grasp well the grasping does not have to go away the grasping okay. now listen to me for a minute the gra now listen closely. This will be interesting to you. This is conceptual. The grasping that, that people keep trying to stop or the craving people keep trying to stop is dependently arisen. It has no, no self. So what, what tends to be seen through, it doesn't have to go away, but it's seen that the grasp or the identity of someone who is behind the grasping, uh, that comes apart. It doesn't dissolve. It doesn't go away. It still might hang around. It's conditionally arisen also, but we see that it's basically unreal. That's the beginning of seeing uh, one and a half fold egolessness, seeing through the, the self of dharmas, or through the, through the self of the skandhas, but you still have to work with the, with dharmas yet. So it takes, it takes some time. My question then is, the compulsion to grasp is lessened. Somewhat. It may not go away. Yes, but you can't just get rid of anger. You can't just get just by seeing that it's unreal. You, buy, you, you can't just get rid of, uh, of fear. You can't get rid of dread. You can't get rid of jealousy. You can't get rid of anxiety. It has to be seen. Well, they will arise, but I guess what you've taught before is they arise, but the chances are you will not add anything onto it. I'm talking about you won't. I might. You don't add anything onto it because you see it in whatever way you see it. Okay. I mean, does that make sense? Kinda. There has to be some difference between the way you handle things arising and the way okay. I would. David, we're talking about a transcendent path, not a mundane path of figuring shit out. You're not gonna be able to figure this out. It's worse than that. It is worse than that. It is devastating to the ego. At the same time, uh, the ego may still hang around. It may it may jump on your your train of thought anytime. But if you're realized, if you've realized what this is, that that consciousness transcends everything. There's no more life. There's no more death. There's no more polarity anywhere. This is what the Diamond Sutra is pointing to. 
but you won't probably won't be able to understand what this incredible pointer is unless you train your mind, sit down, hold still, and watch the movement of the thought for years, years and years. My other question is, the warfare goes. Yes, warfare goes. Why? Unless it comes back. And if it comes back, it's dependently arisen. You can't fight with dependent origination. But your chances of warfare and someone who's not... uh, seen this is probably chances are you probably won't do the warfare that much yeah i could i could publish a book called chances are and i could list all the chances i'm not mocking you i'm not making fun of you saying is relatively accurate it's just that it 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 needs to you if if i were to say it very directly you, you you need your awareness and your your mental acumen your understanding needs to go further off the cliff he needs to go further into the darkness rather than stay back here with reference points the reason i'm asking questions let's say i regard you as let's say heifetz i you don't know who he is maybe but let's say some great violinist who has like some superhuman ability i mean people would think and he knows stuff um but he may not even know stuff that he knows. And someone's trying to ask you don't get a chance to ask people like that questions much mm-hmm. i'm really just trying to draw you out I'm not trying, in other words, um, I've just tried to draw out what you might take for granted. I mean, are you able to draw me out? Well, I'm trying to draw out what you might take for granted. Um, you know, a, just pull out something that um, might be helpful that you might, because to you it's obvious, but to people who it's not obvious to, um, you know, like I said, it's like getting a chance. If you talk to some great player, and they do just incredible technique. They don't often think about what they're doing. And if they would be just very open and try and answer questions, they might even not know. But if they thought about it a little more, maybe they could explain it. Now, the difference is you can never understand it until you can do it. And that's the problem with explanation. I mean, Heifetz could explain to me a hundred years, but unless I can do it, I don't understand it. But he still can help get you there. Um, because he can give you hints about what it might not be and what it might be, but you'll never understand until you can do it yourself. Okay. Right. So I guess that's my only reason for asking you questions is because I know that you know what this is. And I'm simply trying to draw you out in some way, um, you know, uh, to try and make it more understandable. I understand that there's no explanation that can make me understand it. I have to see it for myself. On the other hand, it could still be helpful to understand that if you look at a person, you say you look at them, and then you have this, you know, you can look at the whole scene. You may mean something different when you say look at the whole scene. Um, Or when you say there's no separation, I'm assuming that you see no separation, literally. Hmm. Okay. Am I wrong? Uh, I don't know. You're starting to really confuse me. Well, you have a realization. It's not intellectual. I know that. How do you know? Because I'm positive you know what you're talking about. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. So my question is, um, it's, it's not intellectualized 
And you say you literally see no separation. I'm saying, do you yeah. literally see no separation? Yeah. I mean, you're a painter. I mean, I'm talking about visually. I mean, when you look at something, somebody else sees this over here. You actually telling me that you see no separation. I, I mean, that, that's what I'm asking. I do. That's that's my point. That's a different perception than most people. So do you have a question? That's how do you think that that comes about? <laughs> about seeing there's no separation? Yes. I mean, will you literally see that? About It's about looking at the separation, at the discontinuity, and as at the desire without meddling with it, without accepting it, rejecting it, or looking away. It's about looking directly at it for years, over and over and over, return, return, return and to the- And then what happens? Nothing happens. That's well, Something changes. No, that's relative truth, my friend. That's why it's well, so difficult. I'm trying to draw you out somehow. Something changed. You can't draw anything out when there's nothing there. Yeah, but you didn't always see no separation. Yeah, no, I didn't. There was a time when I... So something changed. No, I didn't. didn't change. Well, okay. Well, I mean, I know that we're talking in words, and I know that the Diamond Sutra says, you know, words don't mean any, whatever it is. That's the point, the problem of words. And I understand you're trying to protect and not trivialize this. I mean, that's what I'm assuming you're doing. Um, but yeah. I wish you could be more, yeah, I don't know. Can you explain a little more about how that happens, that shift? I, I don't know. Find out. Train your mind. Uh, you, you could do that. You just uh, set aside uh, a time every day and just continue to train your mind so that your, your intellect, which is very powerful and strong, uh, can actually be flooded with space. Because there, it's like there's lots of clouds there, but there's not a lot of sky. And the clouds are smart you're very erudite and insightful and have a very good grasp of uh, concepts and ideas so I'm, I'm not trying to take that away from you i'm saying bring some space into that you don't have to be yeah. somebody else you get to i be guess my question to you is really the most important question is right. this is not intellectualized you literally see no separation and when you talk about dependent origination you see it Yes. Yeah. That's not something in your head. It's like you see it. Right? Right. That's what I wanted to know. Okay. Well, we got there. <laughs> I knew that already. I just was, <laughs> but I knew you saw it. I'm just. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for having the idea to put us uh, into this book. So it's a great, it's a great book. I hope everybody reads uh, Red Pines. Well, it's very counterintuitive. I wouldn't say that. Well, that's from your point of view, right? No, no, that's from your point of view. Well, to... <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you are fun. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of a sit-down comic. <laughs> it's like wrestling with someone you can never get a hold of. Yeah. Well, no position. And, and you can do that, too. You can you can actually live your life without any positionality, including life and death. That's what's being pointed at here. It's a profound transcendent teaching. The same with the 30 verses or for the, with the Diamond Sutra, the Samdhi Nirmachana Sutra. 
Lankavatara Sutra, all of these are, are profound, pointing out the nature of, of reality that is not just a, a person uh, that is uh, attached to their body-mind complex and is terrified of death, which is coming soon. Can I ask you another question? Certainly. One more, and that's it. <laughs> According to this, there are no living beings. That's true. The Buddha came here to destroy existence. I'll take that. All right. Thank you very much, David. Yes, sir. Shoto. Shoto Bowing. Um, it said that Huang um heard a line from the Diamond Sutra and yes. awoke to something and entered monkhood. And um, I think Red Pine speculates that it's something towards the end where it says something to the effect of see all dharmas or see all compounded things as a dream or as an illusion. What What is it to see this world as a dream? Going. It's just that it seems very real, but you know that it's not real. It's like uh, the dream you had last night at the time you were dreaming it. It was very real, but when you woke up, you, you saw, oh, that's just a dream. And this situation is uh, uh, waking up as you're dreaming. This is, a, this is a real dream right here. You can awaken from this right now in the midst of it. This doesn't mean you stop, have to stop eating Cocoa Puffs. Doesn't mean you have to be some special person who now sees everything as a dream, so they don't do it, some kind of idealized version of it. Well, you get to function just like you've been functioning, except you don't believe anything, you don't disbelieve anything, and you certainly don't ignore anything. Those three poisons, that's powerful. That's those three, if you, if you get uh, swamped by passion, belief, opinion, judgment, evaluation, blame, or if you get swamped by anger, you know, I hate it. I don't like it. Uh, I've got to get rid of that. I got to stop that in myself or in someone else. I'm going to end that hatred. Or you get swamped by closing down, shutting out, distracting yourself, looking some other way. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm just going to occupy myself with this over there so I don't have to look at that. Transcend that. And how do you do it? You do it by watching the way that has a hold of you moment by moment by moment it gets a hold of you generates thoughts negative thoughts you have uh, if you try to push anything down it fights back if you fluff anything up it wants to run away if you want to cover something up it starts to seep underneath the door have to see it question from robert bruce could you open up a bit your statement, it's worse than that, regarding the devastating effects to the ego? When I say it's, I also say it's better than that. You're, you're liberated. At the same time you're here, you're a living being, you still eat food, you still uh, go to the restroom, you still move around and uh, read books and watch the television or whatever. So. But it's you realize that you're, you're who you are is way beyond all that relativity. You're liberated from it. There's no you're you still may have uh, ideas, opinions, hopes, and fears that arise, but they don't arise to a person anymore. They arise because they're dependently risen. Just like my hand is still moving, it's dependently risen. But there's no personhood behind that hand. That that hand's doing it on its own. 
It's better than that because you, you transcend that. But it's worse than that because what the ego is facing is complete devastation. It may start out as any kind of like loneliness or some kind of deep level of fear that just won't go away no matter how much you lecture yourself or say, well, there's nothing to be afraid of. I don't know why I'm afraid. Uh, it's, it can get worse. And on this path, uh, even Coben, my Zen master, talked about this the second, the first 10 years is hard enough, but the second 10 years, really difficult. Because then you have to deal with deep, deep layers of, of disturbance and uh, conflict and belief and fear, just a simple fear of being wrong or fear of saying something that is just incorrect or, or doing something that everyone turns and, and looks at your terrible mistake you're making. Fear of being found out for who who's really under the surface there. So it's worse. And I'm saying, you know, it may not be worse for you. You may not have a terribly difficult time. Sometimes people say, you know, you're always talking about this worse thing and I'm not experiencing that. And then I might say, well, perhaps, you know, your particular karma, your causes and conditions that are, arise as, as you just may not have that uh, devastation going on. Or it may take a few more years. Sir, do you take anything for granted? What do you want to know? Are we, when you respond to my question, is there anything that you weren't seeing before that that draws out? Let's go back to take anything for granted. If I woke up in the morning and came to the monastery and someone told me that you had left. You decided this wasn't for you and you just disappeared and vanished and you left a note, can't do this anymore, uh, whatever. Uh, that, that, would, that would surprise me. I, I don't think you would do it. I'm not perceiving from the way you're functioning that that would come about. So if you wanted to look at it that way, I guess I do somewhat take things for granted a little bit. I assume you're going to continue to to function as a monk and train your mind. So, am I am I in the area of what you're looking at, or is there a more specific situation? The, taking things for granted is uh, what I'm talking about when I talk about that. Don't take things for granted. Um, I'm saying give things the benefit of the doubt that they can move different directions. The idea of not locking down on stuff. But sometimes if it just keeps happening the same way over and over again, like I see you here every day for years, then all of a sudden you've disappeared. You could say, well, maybe I was taking you for granted a little bit. And I'm, even though I might miss you, I would not see that as something wrong or that need correcting. And I certainly wouldn't say, I apparently was not a very good teacher. I might more likely say, you weren't a very good student, but you abandoned the Dharma. Not because I'm so wonderful, but because the Dharma is an astonishing path. And most people can't see this. It's just very difficult to see this without a teacher. More about that? David Bowen, could I ask another question? 
Certainly, go ahead. So, what I, I'm going to follow up on the previous question, taking something for granted. I'll give you an example of me taking something for granted when I teach. So I teach something fancy, some Boeing thing, which is hard to understand. Um, and I try my hardest to teach people how to do this, but it's not easy to teach. And I didn't even realize that I do something that I take for granted. They don't even notice it. I do some motion, something in that when I'm trying to, so for you know a couple of years, I've been trying to explain this to people and I didn't even realize that I do this extra thing. I think that's what might be meant by taking for granted. It's so natural to me. I don't even notice in my explanation to try and help someone understand something that I actually do that. So I guess what I'm saying is, do you take, sometimes when someone asks you a question, do you find this something you take for granted, which is you may just, it's so obvious to you, but to a student, it's so, I mean, they're just missing it and you don't notice it because it's nothing to you. That's what I mean by that might be met. Let's taken for granted by being, by taking something for granted. Does that make sense? Mm, I don't know. Does it make sense to you? Make sense? I'm just checking with the crew here. Make sense to everybody? Make sense to you? I know he's asking me if it makes sense to me, but I thought I would check with you guys first. Kozan, what do you think? I don't. There you go, bragging again. <laughs> uh, let's see. Give me, let, let's do it this way, David. Give me a very straightforward, simple question that is easier for me to work with than okay. elaboration. Go ahead. Um, I teach complicated things to people. Yeah. Um, I try my best, but the fact is they can never understand it until they can do it. But even with my best efforts, I take for granted that I may do things or think in ways that actually enable me to do this. That, in other words, my explanation or my help to them is missing an element that I take for granted in the way I think or do something. Okay. So that my explanation or my help to them is lacking, but I'm not aware of it. And I guess okay. the question is, do you think it's possible that there are things that you take for granted in your yeah, I got it. Understand. I'm ready. I do. Let me answer. Okay. Right, I understand the question. Right. Ready to deliver the the response. Right. Yes. I, what I take for granted in myself is uh, is I don't think, and so I don't need to do. I don't need to think about it. I see it. Whereas I take for granted that uh, other people could. But might want to try that themselves. Don't think, don't think so much. So I take for granted that I don't think. I mean, thoughts might arise, but there's no person thinking anything. So that might be a taking for granted that you're referring to, maybe. Well, not quite, but 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I'll I'll keep working on that until I get it. So I'm serious. I I follow what you're saying. I think, and I thought that you were referring to something similar to what what I experience is uh, thinking, no thinking. Uh, think uh, thinking, no thinker. But that might be something different than what you're talking about. So, are there any further questions? Yes, go ahead. Bowing. Using the structure from one of those two sutras, how is a statement about anger a statement about no anger? Therefore, it's a statement about anger? Yeah. But how? 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 How is it that way? How is a statement about anger a statement about no anger? That come out of the sutra? I don't know. I don't know how. It's just that that's what it is. If you go to how, then you just abandon that. What what is being pointed at? It's like a why question. It's circular. How circular? Have to do this. Have to do that. Do this. Do that. Why? Because. 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 Because of this. Because of this. If you say what, then you just you stop right at what you're looking at. Is looking at anger. Looking at no anger. Yes. You can't. You can't ask that question unless you've spent some time on the cushion. But that shows me you're not completely trapped by your intellect. How can it be? Oh. When it feels like anger, where is the no anger? Same. It's in the same place. Anger, no anger. It's the it's the identity that wants wants to squeeze something out of that some result or some correctness or being right. The identity is not does not feel supported by any kind of differentiation or desire or any kind of uh, insecurity around no reference point. And when you get into the teachings on emptiness, you're having you're looking at no reference point, and that can be frightening to one who is as a has a grip on their identity of who they are, and they get their identity from what other people think or don't think. They get their identity from what other people think about who they are or from their credential, so on and so forth. If there's any kind of uh, credential, then there's some kind of identity that needs to be supported or defended. Anger, no anger. More? What's happening right now with you? Say it, say it. Confusion. That's awareness. That's awareness. It's, it's also confusion, but awareness of confusion isn't exactly confusion. It's confusion that is being seen clearly. This is why you're here, to see this yourself, not to have some kind of teaching handed to you that you can just believe in. 
It's a path of transcendence. And this is how it's done. You ready? Milka. Milka bowing. The Diamond Sutra is showing us these polarities that point at emptiness. What is revealed by the emptiness? Um, Fullness. If you really see emptiness, then you see that it's full of what it is and empty of what you thought it was. Simply put, more complicated than that. We need to get David's help to figure that out. More. Yes. If we if that complication shows up, how does that help us? How, how does it help us? What do you what, how, describe what you mean by help? It's taking you right right directly into your own personal crap. So it's helping you see the truth. It's not helping you to be peaceful or be gentle or be kind. All of that probably will come out of it. But first, you're going to have to see the crap that is in the way. You have to go through that passage. Each one of us do. If you're on this path, and if you're if you're listening to this old man, that's that's where you're going. Right directly into the confusion, the neurosis, the difficulty. Right directly in, into it. As Trunk Rinpoche once said, the only way around anything, any difficulty, is right through the middle of it. And that's what we're doing here. More? Milka bowing. Sometimes you refer to um, looking at it like a, like we're on stage, or there's a stage in front of us and we're watching. Yeah, I do. Um, if it looks like crap, where's the no crap? In the crap, not separate from it. It isn't something else. Just like uh, enlightenment or awakening is not is not other than samsara or other than confusion. It's a transcendent path, not a relative path of getting rid of the crap and getting the really good stuff. Good question. Thank you. Further question? Yes, sir. If we read the Diamond Sutra and it kicks up a lot of confusion, is the sutra working? The way you're describing it, yes. Study any sutra, and it's, if it doesn't throw up some kind of stress or difficulty or, or confusion or add to it in some way, then it's probably not working very well, or you need to study it more. All the sutras are going to do that to some extent. Sure, when, when that confusion has arisen because we've read the Diamond Sutra, mm -hmm. is there any practice to do with it at that point with the confusion? That's pretty situational. You, there may be something that you would do there. You might read a particular area over and over and over again, especially if it's difficult. Like I sometimes say for those who are interested in looking at paintings, um, and of course I do a... Uh, uh, technique or a class on opening the eye mind to help people see more clearly what's in the rectangle on the wall in front of them 
what, what actually was there rather than what they thought was there. So that's a very difficult area. And I sometimes say, often say, uh, if you want to really train your mind to see clearly what's in that museum, go to the, the go to the painting that is the most irritating to you just on on its face, just on the picture plane to go that you just don't care for that. That's the one you need to spend an hour looking at, not the one over here by Matisse that is very easily received or Bouguereau or someone else who is more accessible. Not that they're great artists, but go and look at uh, Gustav Klimt or perhaps uh, Augustine. David, can I ask another question? Go ahead. One more, David, and that's it. Well, you're just so interesting. I can't help myself. So the um, the painting aspect of you, which is very interesting, um, and the artist aspect, which I, I'm curious about that because I assume, I mean, I know nothing about painting, but um, I guess that has to do, I mean, you've, I, I don't know, you paint what you see. It has something to do with the way you see. I'm wondering if the perception, the perception that you developed with your painting um, could you compare that to the perception that you have about the clarity around no grasping? Yes. Or no separation, let's put it that way. Yes. You mean, you, well, my question is, I mean, can you, what is, what are you saying yes to? To your question. So are you saying they're equivalent? Uh, they're, they're equivalent, but they're, they're different approaches to those because one is limited to just one particular sense field, which is the vision. I could probably do that with sound or with smell, taste, maybe, maybe with, uh, um, touch or other, other ways of working with it. It's a different sense. Sense of thinking is one thing. The sense of, of, uh, just, uh, perception happens in so many different ways. Has your painting altered since you? I I don't paint much, so stop painting. But once you kind of saw no separation, did it alter your uh, painting? Yeah, somewhat. I began to see uh, what, what what the totality of the situation was, rather than the particularity. But that's that's true. Uh, that's true in, in life too, is to not particular particularly clamp down on anything, even though excuse me, you're looking at something in this, uh, this eye mind training is a, there's an eye spot and then there's an A spot. The eye spot is, is what you're looking at this. And then the A spot is the, is the, is the awareness spot. The A spot is you can move that anywhere. You can, through peripheral vision, you can see all kinds of things. And so it's a particular way of working with the, with the way consciousness works in terms of focusing on something or being aware of something, but not having a direct focus on it that tends to reveal the, it gets more closer to no separation. Interesting. Thank you for that. I've been teaching that for, I just started discovering that at the Art Institute of Chicago in uh, uh, 19, about 1963. And, uh, and it, over the years, it slowly developed into a particular way of teaching it. So I've been teaching that for what, 20 years, 20, 22, 23 years an actual class called Opening the Eye Mind. Is there a further question here in the Zendo? Or possibly 
on Zoom, especially someone who has not asked a question. I can't see everyone there. I think there's 28 people, so might be some people that we don't know about. No questions? Questions here? Yes. Sure, bowing. Um, when we're reading a sutra yes. and, and there is that confusion that's coming up, is there a way to read that's not um, just an attempt to resolve that confusion? Yes, and the way to do that is to don't get rid of the attempt to resolve, but repetition. Read it over and over again. Read it. There's three speeds. Read it as fast as you can. Read it in a medium speed, and then read it very, very slowly. That's the way I teach studying. You don't have to memorize anything. You don't have to understand it. It's just another way of approaching that. Not right. It's not better than anyone else. It's just different and aligns itself with the with the awareness practices more than the kind where you're exercising your intellect and you're trying to trap concepts and understand things conceptually. If conceptual understanding arises, then it's fine. But if you have to squeeze it or force it to get it to happen, then you're actually blocking your, your insight. You're actually blocking your wisdom mind. Am I making sense to you? Okay. Further question? Very good. Very good. We can close and thank you so much. And thank you, David, for your questions and for your uh, suggestion to to uh, work on the uh, Diamond Sutra. So thank you. Hi, this is Chiezan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokozan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you.